Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. Today is Friday, August 11th, 2023. I am operating as a one-man wolf pack this episode. Ian and his wife, Kate, congratulations to them for having a new baby boy. And so we've had two weeks since we've recorded our last episode, and deservedly so, because it's a big moment to celebrate for their family. So congratulations to the McMillan family. So all you guys get is me today, and that's okay. Bear with me. But the S&P 500, one of our main metrics currently sitting at 44.63. If you might recall from our last episode, which the title of was How Soon We Forget. So I'm wondering how soon you forgot what we talked about two weeks ago, which we talked about the NYA or the New York stock composite and the importance of the 16,000 level on that, which we continue to hold, even though we've pulled back, which is perfectly normal since our last recording two weeks ago. So NYA, the NYSE composite, currently sitting at 16,139, so holding that very important level. But I thought I'd jump in the time machine and take you guys back to what we were talking about in the episode two weeks ago, how soon we forget. Take a listen. This is from two weeks ago, talking about important levels, the importance of consolidations and pullbacks. Take a listen. But as long as the NYA, going back to our original point of anger, is above 16,000, the thesis is stocks are higher. Well, and we just talked about, right? Like we're coming off a 10%. So we had basically, we had the big run up into February. Stocks didn't go anywhere for February, March, April, May. We'll call it four months, all of February through all of May. And we move higher. And there's, you go through another two, three, four months of not going anywhere. They don't happen in a straight line. You can have great years. People love straight lines though, Ian. Yeah, the market can absolutely end up 20% plus this year. You know, those things are going to happen in a majority of the time outside of like, you know, you go back to a 2013 where you're just kind of cruising all year. We talk a lot of here about 2017. That had a lot. I mean, that had a few periods where stocks didn't go anywhere for two, three, four months. And yeah, it looks great when you look at the data. You're like, wow. You know, up whatever it was. It was pretty sure it was a twenty percent plus year, twenty three, maybe something around there. Twenty thirteen yeah. was a bigger one. Like wasn't twenty thirteen like thirty plus thirty? I don't have the data in front of me, but it was twenty thirteen. You had a market environment where we're in an uptrend, and you have stocks move. Let's call it approximately. Let's call thirty percent. Yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna get into decimals, but during that you had an eight percent correction. You had, and I, I, correction is the wrong term, 4% correction. These are things that yeah. happen. Like these are normal. You had two 4%, one 8% on the way to 30% in 2013. That's normal market volatility. And going back to what we were saying before, we've had three 20% corrections in five years when normally get one in four and a half. So could we move higher from here? Absolutely. But let's not get myopic if we correct 5%. Let's say we correct back to 4,200, that 4,180 level we talked about before. So we're talking about 7% volatility. 
in the next two months. Let's not forget the big picture of what's happening here because that would be perfectly normal to have that type of correction back into those levels and then move higher in the strongest six months, which is November, December, and then January, February, March, April of the following year. And then we stagnate because it's election year or it's a part of the two-year cycle. It's part of the whatever cycle you want to look at. We have to be open-minded on even if we were to correct from here. And when I say correct, I just mean in the normal context of what we see in corrective markets, which is yeah, somewhere 10%. Between, yeah, yeah, like that is normal behavior. And we could see that now through September, October. Yeah. Snow, your retirement was built on five and ten percent correction. So <laughs> chill out with uh, if you get too too high of anxiety. Right, right. Like let's not look at three months. Let's look at trends. And let's say we pull back into 4180, 4200. Man, would that be a tremendous opportunity? Most likely. Below that, not so much. But from a evidence and Bayesian process of trends and taking in the most recent information as the being the most important, that'd be a tremendous opportunity. But I don't even know if we get that. So that's Ian and I discussing normal behavior for markets, corrective markets that take place within uptrends. And we now know we have an uptrend on our hands. We have talked about the importance of the 4180 level. We're above that. And since our last episode, you know, the S&P 500's corrected about two and a half percent. The NYA, the New York Composite, has pulled back into 16,000, but perfectly normal behavior as far as what, and that's about 2%. The NASDAQ 100, maybe you follow that. That's one of your favorite instruments since that time frame has pulled back as well. That quantity is about, about 4%. So your leader coming out of October of last year, which we now know is an important bottom, has been tech represented by, you could name XLK, you could say QQQ, name your instrument. It's been led by growth in tech. What we're seeing now, however, is this rotation. Yes, we have corrective market. And as Ian so properly alluded to, you know, if you can't handle the 2 to 5% volatility or even pulling back into 4,200, we have to not get myopic. We have to chill out and look at the bigger picture. We do have a new uptrend on our hands. That thesis of a new uptrend is in play until 4,200 or 4,180 is breached to the downside. Is that the most likely scenario currently? No. Can it happen? Absolutely, yes. But currently, being above that, an uptrend is on our hands. And the pullback that we've seen since the end of July is perfectly normal market behavior. Would it be easier if markets worked in a straight line? It would be, but they don't. And when we look at seasonality, which is the study of price in previous periods and how it operates, August and September are notoriously sideways or corrective in many years. And so here we are, August, I'll call it the doldrums of summer, right? The kids are waiting around, they're getting itchy, parents don't know what to do because these kids need to get back to school, market's in the same environment, it's sideways, it's digesting the move that just happened since the fourth quarter of last year. Here we sit consolidating, pulling back into important levels on things like the New York Composite, even something like the S&P 500 could pull back in. These are normal price behaviors for the market. Until we breach something like a 200-day moving average on the S&P 500, which if you recall from our market update to clients in March, there were three steps that we needed to see. We needed to see the S&P move above its 200-day moving average, which it did. It needed above move above 4180, which it did, and it needed to sustain trade above 4180, which it is doing. It has been above 4180 
since the beginning of June. And what came from last episode as well was we kind of talked about how the market had moved to an extreme versus its own 200-day moving average. Not an extreme, but just the distance away from its 200-day moving average. It would make sense for stocks to pause here, pull back in, allow the 200-day to catch up. That's definitely the environment we're in. So is there cause for concern? I don't know. I guess it depends on if you're a worrier. The one thing that's certain about markets and life is uncertainty. And so any type of pullback, I'm sure, could make some people nervous. But from the understanding of corrections happen within uptrends and markets every single year have corrections that are 8 to 10% on their way to their average return. Here we have an environment where we've pulled back 3%, maybe a little bit more in some other measurements since the beginning of August in an environment where that matches seasonality. We see August and September week. This matches that environment. And what do we do? What do we do when we have a new uptrend in our hands, which was confirmed in June by being above 4180? What is our process when we do have these pullbacks, these brief pullbacks? Because at some level, we have to appreciate them and want them to take place. Because if you haven't been involved in them, we've been involved since above 4180. That's not a, a recommendation. It's just a fact that above that level, our client portfolios and models got more aggressive and they benefited from that. And that's normal for a trend following system like adaptive. Now, but trend following, it's not like there's not many counter trends that take place. And that's what we've just experienced. What do you do in an environment where you have a broad market uptrend that's defined by days, weeks, and months time frame, and you have a counter trend move, which we've seen since the beginning of August, well, really what we're looking for is relative strength. We are looking for the things that are holding up the best in the environment where we're correcting. Now, you heard me say earlier in the episode that the S&P is about down about two to three, and here we have the NASDAQ down about four. Simple math, the NASDAQ 100 has been relatively weak to the broad market. Well, what are the things that are holding up? Well, we can tell you that energy is holding up. And that's important information because that was a leader off the bottom looking back as far as, as you know, whether you want to talk about the COVID low or you want to talk about what led to the first part of the second part of last year. Is it possible that we see rotation into value, energy being an area of value going into the second half of the year? Because, right, if we're heading into a weak seasonal period, August, September, we could consolidate during that period of time. We don't know the depth of the range. Are we having a 3% range? And when I say that, I mean, are we correcting down 3% and then operating within a range between two price levels that are equal to that? Or are we pulling all the way back into a 200-day moving average on the S&P 500, which is currently sitting at 41.15? If we're pulling back, we want to pay attention to the things that are strong and right now, the things that are strong are value-oriented at all areas. But you look at some of the industrial areas, you look at energy, those are the areas that are really holding up the best in this environment when we look just at U.S. stocks. There are some areas internationally that are still holding up very well, and that's happening in the face of a strong dollar. One of the notable de uh, developments over the last two weeks in addition to perfectly normal behavior of, of broad market pullback, is we've seen the dollar, the trade weighted dollar, using something like DXY, move higher 
above an important level around 101, which we've talked about frequently in the past. And that's something we want to pay attention to because many times a strong dollar impacts equity prices. We want to pay attention to that. It's also notable that when you have a dollar reclaim important levels and be strong, those areas that are holding up well, that tend to be sensitive to the dollar, such as Latin America, and specifically things like Argentina, that is holding up well in a strong dollar environment, which is atypical. Typically, you see a strong dollar and you see something like Argentina struggle. That's not what we're seeing. And there's all sorts of ADRs out there. ADRs are these stocks that are foreign in nature as far as they're located foreign, but they are listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And the strength that we're seeing out of ADRs, that's a good thing. We want to pay attention to that type of information is when a stock that is an American depository receipt is what ADR stands for. And it's really taking a foreign stock, listing on an American stock exchange, denominating it in dollars. That's what ADR means. When we see those type of stocks doing well on the stock exchange, that's also information that foreign stocks are maybe not as uh, weak as we would like to think, but it's not, you can't necessarily paint a broad brush when we talk internationally. You know, you take something like VEU, which is the Vanguard All World X, you know, excludes the US stocks, has been weak the last two weeks and it's broken important levels. You know, we talked about the NYA and the 16,000 level. Well, VEU has broken the 50, 54, 55 level. We want to pay attention to that. Um, at the same time, you have areas like Greece holding up well, or you have places like Japan holding up very well. Argentina holding up well. And these are foreign areas that we want to pay attention to, in addition to energy, in addition to also noting that where is the weakness? So I've kind of highlighted some of the areas that have strength. Where is the weakness? Well, tech. I kind of already alluded to that. I think an important development today is when we look at semiconductors overall, that's an area that has you open-minded to, okay, maybe this uh, corrective period that we're in could be deeper than we think or have some ramifications based on what's going on with treasuries and rates. So for example, semiconductors using something like SMH and ETF representing semiconductors broke above important levels at the end of July and has since broken back below. So on SMH, that would be the 155 level is a false breakout in play. That's TBD. That's to be determined. We will find that out with due time, but it is notable that when we look at semiconductors on a relative basis, again, going back to what are we looking for in weak markets? Semiconductors have been weak in this environment. So as strong as energy stocks have been during this weak environment, and I'm describing the weak environment as being from the end of July through now, so a brief period of time, only two weeks, but what's going on? What, what is happening in that two-week period? Well, during that two-week period, semiconductors are weak. Energy is strong. Those are two really good representatives of value versus being energy versus growth, which is semiconductors. And when you look at that relationship, you look at something like energy versus semiconductors. Okay, that's, that, that's strong. It's up. Do we see rotation in the rest of the year back into value? Because value had led. Value had been an area that had led 
basically since the when you look at the correction that began in the broad indices in January of 22, it is energy that led during that period of time. Be, being the relative leader and value, those are the things that that had the leadership. At the beginning of 2023, we saw that rotation back into growth, back into tech. That rotation may be over. The rotation into tech, the things like the NASDAQ 100, XLK, SMH, uh, you know, semiconductors, internet, the growth-oriented tech areas might be on pause while we're watching value areas get rotated back into for the remainder of the year, one of those areas being energy. So that's to be determined, but that is the evidence that's at hand. We do have a pullback in U.S. equities taking place since the beginning of the month. Perfectly normal. We don't like to just base investment decisions based on two weeks of information. Uptrends take and can take long periods of time. And so we don't want to get overly exhaustive and looking at things uh, just on a two-week period. So the other important development this week is the breakdown in treasuries using something like TLT, which actually started last week. I should clarify the big development between the last episode and this one is the breakdown of treasuries. As you recall, lower bonds, higher rates. So we've seen rates move higher in the last two weeks. I don't think we get to be surprised higher rates, weakness for growth and tech. If a new move in higher rates is upon us, so if you use something like a TYX, which is a 30-year treasury bond yield, you know we could be looking at rates near 5% on something like that in the coming future. That's a bit higher from here, but that would be the resumption of a trend that's been in place since the COVID lows in rates. We continue to see rates move higher. Could that be a struggle bus for growth in tech? Absolutely. What's one way we could look at that or like confirm that thesis? I think it's as simple as looking at semiconductors versus S&P, that relative strength profile, SMH versus SPX or SPY. And you can see the range that had been in place in that for the last few weeks, almost a month, break down. And so now we have confirmation that there might be some struggle here for tech going forward. While there's still some opportunity and value, and as long as NYA is above 16,000, that's important information. There are some spots internationally that are important to note and pay attention to, especially in an environment where we're seeing dollar strength holding above 101. And as long as we continue to see the dollar hold above that level, that could be a headwind for most stocks, with the exception of the ones I just highlighted before with energy, some areas of international, some materials. I mean, it is notable, the relationship between commodities and equities as well. Do we start to see some commodity strength? That's going to be really hard to see until we see the dollar weaken. But we've definitely seen treasuries break down uh, using something like TLT, break an important range that you could put at 99, 100 on something like TLT. That is important information that we want to pay attention. All happening, again, in that seasonal picture of weakness, which we typically see in August and September. What we see going forward is to be determined. It's also notable that one of the most important stocks in the world, Apple, broke in the last two weeks back towards its breakout level. So back in June, it broke above the 179, 180 level. It has since returned to that level, currently sitting at 177.60. Does that hold? 
that will be important information going forward as to what we would see from a broad market. And that just has to go with how our indices made up, you know, they're momentum based, tilted towards large cap, something like the S&P 500, Apple and Microsoft struggle over the next two months. S&P is going to struggle over the next two months. Does that mean there are no opportunities available? Not necessarily. There might be ways to protect the portfolio or offset some of the correction by being involved in things like energy and value. So we continue to use price to identify those opportunities and when that's going to take place. I just felt it important to provide this update, even though there's been a week that I was gone on vacation, Ian and Kate had a baby. We didn't want to go too long without providing you guys an update. So hopefully you provide this brief update as valuable. Again, highlighting important areas, New York Stock Exchange still above 16,000. We have been in a corrective period since the beginning of August, which is normal based on seasonality. It is normal based on markets. We continue to be above 41.80 on the S&P 500. And we're starting to see strength out of value areas, things like energy, which some clients are familiar with being in their model. So we continue to observe price and that's the most important. And before I sign off and before you guys give us a great rating on our podcast and share this with others, I do want to highlight that the weekly trend is supported and sponsored by the Adaptive Select ETF, which is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under ticker ADPV. Adaptive Select helps investors access two of the most prevalent factors in markets, momentum and relative strength. Through proprietary identification methods, the Adaptive Select ETF attempts to own the strongest 25 large cap stocks when the market is in an uptrend. And since not all market environments are the same, Adaptive Select seeks to prevent extended declines by moving to short-term treasury bills and cash during long-term market downtrends. Investors can find out more including how to invest in ADPV by visiting adpvetf.com or calling 1-833-880-5200. So hope you found this information valuable. Again, we remain above important levels. Even though we've corrected the last two weeks, we understand that doesn't feel comfortable if you're just looking at two weeks of information. But of course, we don't get myopic. We don't get so focused on one area. We don't just digest one out of a baseball game. We observe the baseball game as a whole and then make our decision from there. And then we observe the season as a whole. So we don't want to get so myopic that we're looking at balls and strikes in one inning. We want to observe price over the long haul. And right now the uptrend remains intact despite the last two weeks of corrective behavior. We do have information that's useful to us. It does appear that higher rates are are beginning and that we could be seeing a rotation into value from growth we obviously will use price to determine whether that's ongoing. So we appreciate you guys. Please give us a high ranking and share with your friends as that's uh, one way you can compliment us for providing this information to you for free. Otherwise, on behalf of myself, the adaptive team, client first, and of course, Ian and his new child. Have a great weekend, everyone.